Welcome to Podcast Therapy. I'm your host, Suzanne Whitman. Let's face it, trying to find a new podcast is like going down the proverbial rabbit hole. But if you're listening to Podcast Therapy, I do the work for you by featuring favorite podcasts from friends, listeners, and even interviewing the podcasters themselves. Join me every week for a new episode because podcast therapy is cheaper than retail therapy. Okay, Nick Loper is in the house. I am super excited to be talking to you. I, I think this is like possibly my celebrity moment, maybe. That's how oh, I feel. <laughs> I'm flattered, <laughs> flattered by that, but, uh, but thanks for having me. Yeah. So Nick, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself. Um, I was in a little bit of panic on my side. Uh, my wife, I just decided it didn't want to work um, for various reasons. I'm like, I have two minutes right now to figure that out. So now my phone is acting as a hotspot in my basement. And You're making it work. Yeah. You know, because you got to learn to pivot. So why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners about who you are and about your podcast? Who am I? It's a good, it's a good question. Uh, I'm a husband and father, first and foremost. Um, on the business side, for the last eight years, I've been hosting the Side Hustle Show, uh, which features part-time business ideas every Thursday. And it has been an absolute blast. What started as a little you know, side project experiment in the corner of my living room has turned into a full-time business that allowed me to connect with people really all over the world. And it's been really uh, rewarding to share their stories and, um, and build an audience along the way. So I know a little bit about you because obviously um, you've been at this for a while and you've shared some of your stories, but you did have, um, you were, you owned your own online business prior to starting the side hustle show, right? Right. My original, my original side hustle, the vehicle that kind of let me you know, quit my corporate job and, you know, jump full-time into entrepreneurship was a comparison shopping site for footwear. It was called shoesniper.com in its most uh, recent iteration. Now it's been shut down for years and years now, but that was the, that was the, that was the thing. Like I was, uh, excuse me, I was working corporate and had no desire to to really climb the ladder. It's like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a better way. You can figure this out. Um, and for me, that was selling shoes on the internet. We pull in the catalogs from Zappos and Amazon and all these other retailers and tell you where you could find the best price on your next pair of shoes. We had all sorts of cool like product level coupon integration. We tell you, oh, you know, but if you apply this code, you know, it really brings the price down to X. And, you know, if you punch in your zip code, we'll tell you how much your tax and shipping is going to be. It was a lot of fun. And it was a really cool time to be involved with, with online stuff and uh, really grateful for that experience. And how many years ago was that? It started in like, Oh, four, Oh, five, Oh, six, like in its very early, earliest iterations and uh, shut it down in 2014. Okay. And so then that was a taste of this, of us having a side hustle. And then you actually started side hustle nation. Is that right? Yeah. So on the side from the shoe business, I started, you know, probably a dozen different projects, most of which for the sake of full disclosure, just didn't go anywhere. They were kind of failures or they died a quiet death in some corner of the internet. But a couple of projects from that era did stick around. Um, one was a virtual assistant kind of like directory and review platform uh, that I started in 2011 
and sold uh, in 2020. And then the other side project that really started to, you know, eat up a lot of my time in a good way was Side Hustle Nation in 2013. Which was, is was that initially a blog? Is that what that was? Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to, because I had been personally like blogging on a personal domain for years yeah. and years and nobody ever read this stuff. Cause it was like, um, you know, here's, here's pictures from our vacation. Here's, you know, some rant about current events. Like there was no coherent message or theme to the site. Like there's no reason really for anybody uh, to come and stick around. So I was like, oh, you know, what, what do all the you know popular bloggers have in common? It's like, well, they have a niche, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to niche down. What do you never get tired about talking about? What do you, you know, what do people already ask you for help with? Kind of a lot of the same questions that I'll turn around and ask other people, what kind of side hustle should I pursue? And for me, that was like, I really got a kick out of deconstructing, you know, creative business ideas, figuring out, well, how did that work? Or where'd you get customers for that? How'd you figure out how much to charge? Um, all that stuff was really exciting. So yeah, I, I thought of myself as a blogger first and foremost. And and the podcast was almost done out of peer pressure. Like, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna build a personal brand, you gotta have a podcast or or, or YouTube. YouTube was the mm-hmm. other option. It's like, well, I definitely don't want to do video. <laughs> like that was really intimidating uh, back at that era, and, and kind of still is. Although yeah. I'm trying to get a little bit more into YouTube, so podcasting was like the lesser of two evils. And yeah. it was really surprising to me that within the first year of doing it, that the show had grown probably three times faster than the written side of the site had. And when I show up to events and stuff, like most people will know me from the show rather than the blog, which is, uh, which was kind of surprising. Yeah. And you also wrote like some, was it eBooks too? Yeah. I had a bunch of different titles on Amazon at this point and started out from the perspective of like, well, this could be a cool side hustle, you know, create something once, sell it over and over again. I live in that passive income dream of author royalties, but yeah, it's even today with half a dozen different titles, like it's probably a sub $500 a month income stream on average. So the folks that I see doing the best with self-publishing either have just a huge portfolio of titles and they keep cranking out new ones, uh, or they're looking at their books as kind of a introductory top of the funnel um, type of thing, which is how I have evolved to look at it as like, well, this is a low barrier to entry. This is an exposure to side hustle nation and, and, um, have gone from there. Okay. So then would you, so is the side hustle show, the podcast, is that your full-time job now? Yeah. After selling the VA site last year, a year and a half ago, that's kind of been the main focus and any, it was even prior to that, but that's kind of the main the main, uh, the main gig. And I will tell people, they're like, Hey, Nick, what do you do? Well, I host this weekly podcast called the side hustle show. And they'll be like, that's cool. You know, what, you know, the, the awkward question is like, well, what do you do the rest of the time? You know, um, it's like, well, there's a, a little there's more a that goes into it than that. Um, one thing, so I guess in terms of like the revenue pillars for the business, uh, sponsorships on the podcast have become a major source but also affiliate income through the blog and email list. Um, and specifically the blog, which was something, again, that you know took me a long time to kind of figure out, like, oh, that's a, in a lot of ways, I figured that the audience was the same. Like blog readers, you know, are, are podcast listeners and vice versa. It's like, no, like 80 something percent of the blog traffic is just 
coming from Google. Like they're Googling side hustle ideas, ways to make extra money, um, you, you know, just kind of almost transactional searches. And so leaning into that separate audience and trying to bring them into the podcast, of course, because like, mm-hmm. I think that's such a more valuable relationship by giving, mm-hmm. the, giving them what they want when they want it and really embracing that has made a, a big impact on the business too. And then the third leg of the uh, stool has historically been my own side hustle experiments. And this was a much larger leg uh, early on when I was, um, you know, doing freelancing and, uh, you know, the self-publishing stuff would be under that category and trying to, you know, flip stuff on eBay and Amazon, yeah. like try, trying my hand at all these different things. And that was one of my uh, hypotheses early on. I'll be the guinea pig. I'll, yeah. you know, I had plans to go sign up for Lyft and, you know, drive <laughs> people around and like report back on, you know, is this a cool side hustle or not? Um, and that's shifted to kind of playing more uh, of a journalist role and pointing the yeah. pointing the mic at other people and saying, hey, you know, you you signed up to be a mobile notary. You know, what's that right. like? How did how did that work? How do you get clients for that? Can you imagine if you did all the things that you interviewed <laughs> all the people? I mean, wow. Like that's it's dangerous. Like, and well, that, to me, that that's like the mark of a good episode is like, if I hang up the call being like, I should totally do that. Like, I think that's the, but I feel like I hear that in your voice when you're interviewing people, because like, because you ask them these questions that I think that I would ask too, like, okay, but how do you do that? Or how does this work? (laughs) And I'm like, Nick wants to know how to do this. He's like taking notes. He's going to, he's going to try this on his own, which is cool because obviously the reason why, you know, you did this was because you were looking to, you know, make a better income or, you know, work on something that you were more passionate about as opposed to doing your daily grind or anything like that. So, I mean, but that would be interesting, but you'd have to have like a hundred lives because I think about, and I, I don't know if I started, I don't know if I started listening to you. I don't think from the beginning, uh, but it's been a few years that I've been listening to you. And I listen to those um, guests that you interview and there's, there's so many and there's, it's so varied. Right. And I think of um, there's a couple that stand out in my mind. One was uh, you, I think it was a woman, this might've been a few years ago. She was, uh, living on the East coast and figured out a way to mail fall leaves to people. Do you remember that one? I, I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, she said, you know, there were people cause you're in Florida right now. We're in the Seattle area. Were you ever in Florida? only for events. Okay. Sorry. But you moved right recently, like within the last year or so. We did. Yeah, we did. We moved from, uh, Bay area, California, like Oakland suburbs to Seattle. Okay. Okay. I I swear there was an episode where this woman was her side hustle was she lived on the East coast and had access to all these fall leaves. And I don't know if she had a friend, in Florida or something. And she was like, you know, my kids don't know what it's like to, to view fall leaves and autumn and all that. So she would, she set up her business to send and mail leaves um, to people who wanted them. And I was like, I know I heard this on your show and I know you've had had hundreds of guests. I'm totally blanking on this, but like we had a guy who was similarly like picking up driftwood for free and reselling it to aquariums and on Etsy and stuff. It's like, huh, you know, it's out there. We had somebody who was selling like tumbleweeds from Utah. So like yeah. the, the examples are out there for sure. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's a, that's a 
different one, if you want to put it that way. And I know it was your show because I remember thinking, because we, because I live in Wisconsin, so we have the four seasons and we did, we do have a lot of maple trees in our area. And my husband can tell you, because he hates to rake and (laughs) we have pretty trees and the colors are gorgeous and they fall on the ground. And I remember looking at one at one time and, and that person was saying how you can't just send them because they can get moldy and you have to choose them properly and how you package them. I was like, Maybe I could like my side hustle could be I'll collect these leaves and I'll send them to you. Yeah, Nick. you sit on a gold mine. There. No, but I'll send them to you because I thought you were in an area that you could your kids would appreciate that. So oh, gotcha. Anyway, that stuck out in my mind. The other one was you had a gentleman who I don't know if it was on accident or how this happened, but he began to paint the lines of parking lots for small um like uh what's the word i'm looking for not outlet malls but just you know strip malls yeah if there were parking lots do you remember this one at all i do i do remember this guy okay this is dan uh, zercher from the american striping company or something and he's like make sure striping with one p i do remember that (laughs) he had that specific sound bite if you put two p's you're gonna get something very different it's like yes okay parking lot striping for sure do you remember what he was doing prior to that and how he got into that i think like yeah, I don't know what he was doing. And then and one of the owners from the strip malls maybe said, you know, do you want to do, I don't remember that. I don't remember those details, but. It sounded like he, you know, put this upfront investment into the machine, which was maybe a few thousand bucks okay. and then started cold calling for, for jobs. Hey, I'll, re- I'll restripe your parking lot or how, yeah. how many years has it been? Like, look how faded it is. I'll yeah. make this look nice. I'll come back after hours when there's no cars here. And, you know, I'll do it professionally and, and get it done. It, what was cool about that, or at least, you know, how he pitched it was like, you know, it's, it's seasonal, you know, I don't do much mm. really work in the winter. So, you know, right. I do all my work just, you know, evenings and weekends, basically when the cars aren't in the parking lot for most right. businesses and can make a pretty decent living doing it. Yeah, no. And that's so cool. And I know that some of the, well, not, so I don't know how many, but some side hustles have become full-time jobs for people, right? They've actually left their jobs and said, this is now what I do for a living. Yeah. That's been the case with a lot of guests where it's like, well, you know, when did you feel comfortable making the leap? And some people would say like, you know, right away, as soon as I got my first customer, I was out of there. And other people were like, yeah, when I started making more from my side gig, that was probably a good sign. It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd say so too. And I think I do that with your podcast too, um, because obviously this is one of my side hustles. I have another, my husband has two others um, that I think for people who are looking, whether, whether they're not making enough at their full-time job or they're not being fulfilled, maybe at their full-time job, they're looking for something else. And so um, every time I would listen to your show, it would be about, can I do that? Is that something that I can do? Is that a good idea? Or can I take that and do an iteration of that, right? right. Um, I know you had, I don't think it was one guest at a time. There might've been two or three at the same time. And, it, and the one woman, I think it was, talked about buying commercial businesses. And in particular, I thought she bought a laundromat. Yeah, I think you're um, referencing Cody Sanchez, who is an advocate for, you know, go buy somebody else's cash flow instead of, you know, grinding 
something else, you know, from the ground up yourself, because it's like so much easier to go from one to 10 than it is to go from zero to one in a lot of cases. Like here's something that's already proven, you know, the, especially with the SBA, like your loan terms are pretty, pretty attractive and it could be a potentially lower risk way to get involved. Um, and, And yeah, so she was talking about, I mean, she, her, she's worth a follow. She's got always got interesting stuff on, you know, pool removal and vending machines and laundromats and, you know, it kind of like UPS store equivalents. I guess she's got a ton of different uh, examples. I'm always uh, intrigued by what she comes up with next or who she finds. Do you have, is there anybody that you um, had as a guest that you uh, continue to, I mean, there, I mean, I've heard it that you've continued to follow up with some of them, but are there some that just stand out to you and say, you know, this was a terrific idea um, or this is, do you have a favorite episode? I mean, some of the ones that stand out to me are the um, like local blue collar, you know, traditionally blue collar services or the home services where they're coming in and not necessarily signing up to do the work themselves. I think it's kind of a, an interesting mindset shift that I would have definitely struggled with early on to say, I want to have a dog walking company versus I want to walk dogs. I want to, um, you know, I want to have a gutter cleaning business rather than I can clean your gutters. And it's like that subtle shift opens up, you know, you know, you're no longer selling your own skills and your own time, but now you're kind of putting on your CEO hat, your administrator hat, your marketer hat. Well, how can I, you know, there's already people who know how to do this stuff. I can go find them and I just need to be a, do a better job of connecting them with customers and seeing people do this with uh, home cleaning and pressure washing and window washing Actually, I interviewed a guy recently. Was I interviewed him on his last day of college? I was like, man, I wish I was, you know, half as ambitious as as you were at that age. And he had built this window cleaning business in Southern California to like seven hundred thousand dollars in revenue. It was it was nuts. Kind of follow, following that model where okay, I can find qualified people to go out and do the work. So I think there's lots of opportunity in that home services space because a lot of the existing competition. Um, just isn't operating with, with the level of digital marketing savvy that you could probably bring to the table. Right. Mm. Um, and that was, and that was his game with orange, I think OC cleaning or orange cleaning company, orange window washing. Um, I think it's his site. It was like, look, we can just get serious about collecting reviews on Yelp and Google and Facebook to a certain extent. And, you know, we're just going to rise to the top and we're going to take all this business. And the other side of that is the, the market just keeps growing, right? Somebody shared the stat that, you know, 20 years ago, only one homeowner in 20, uh, you know, outsourced their uh, lawn care or lawn mowing service. And mm. fast forward today, it's like four in 10 or it's something like crazy. Like, mm. so the, the pie just keeps getting bigger. So you're not necessarily having to go out and conquest uh, market share from existing businesses, but it's just, you know, more people are looking for help with these areas and it's, and it's there for the taking. So that's one that stands out. I am a sucker. I mean, I love all the online business models where you can bake in a little bit of leverage, you know, do the work once and hopefully have an asset that can drive traffic, drive revenue, drive email signups. You know, I I like all that stuff, something that scales. So, you know, blogging, podcasting, YouTubing, you know, email newsletters, whatever your platform of choice is, like all that stuff is, is really exciting to me. I don't know if this is really a good question for you or if you would know the answer to this, but I mean, um, and I think this is, 
if not nationwide, it's global. Do you, have you seen any difference now with uh, the lack of people um, to do the work? Uh, we take a look at, you know, what in the last five years, for sure, we've talked about losing the baby boomers. And now um, there's all these jobs that are available. Even pre-pandemic, you know, there were the for hire signs out there. And what they were yeah. saying was the talent pool just isn't there anymore. Has that shifted anything from what you're hearing from people that you interview? It is interesting. My dad is always big on like those macroeconomic trends. He's like, the economy is good. Unemployment is low. Is anybody really looking for a side hustle right now? You're going to, you're going to be screwed in a couple of years. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, you know, making extra money never goes out of style. Um, but it is a factor for sure. It's like, you know, and that's, you know, one of these factors in inflation as the workforce continues to level up and, you know, the job market is really, really tight. So it's, uh, it is a challenge. And so you got to find the uh, service providers of the companies that are hungry for more business, they say, well, um, and we had a couple who was doing a cleaning service in Dallas, and that was kind of their pitch, like always be recruiting for next cleaners. You can go out and find more business, but if you don't have anybody to fulfill the work, right. you know, you can't really say yes to that job. So you got to have kind of this roster of, uh, of professional cleaners who say, yeah, I'll, I'll take, I, I, I could use some help filling my schedule. Mm. And there's, yeah, there's a million factors. I wish I had the uh, economist's uh, prognostication <laughs> uh, certification to, uh, to say where this is going. Well, and like you said, I think that partly not only the scaling, like for you personally about scaling um, digitally, but if you take a look at what are the jobs that are out there that are, that can be done via the internet, or um, I think about you know, I've heard companies that were started where they've got graphic designers in the Philippines, right? Because they don't need to have them on site in this state. They can be out of the country because they just can, if they can get the work and deliver the work, you know, via digitally, you know, via email or whatever, um, you can hire someone out there, probably, possibly for a, a lower wage in comparison. So, I mean, really, if you're looking for people and that aspect of doing digital work, you probably have more opportunity there as opposed to I'm a local business who needs somebody to clean my house or walk my dog yeah. or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's a whole array of, you know, productized services in the online space. One of the recent ones was like, we'll turn your industry expertise and knowledge into a children's book. And you know, so partnering yeah. with with illustrators and storyboarders to like you know make that happen, I thought that was really creative. That was really cool. That was just recently, right? Like a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he. What was his name? Do you remember? Uh, Timmy Timmy Bauer, author Timmy, I think is his social handle. Okay, and it was what was it like? Do you want to grow up and be a CEO? There was the what was the first one? Yeah, I was like, I want to be in sales when I grow up. <laughs> It's kind of like random. It's like I want to, I want to be a hotel owner or something. Like so, hotel owners could. I, I don't. It was like it was a weird. It was a weird thing. But you know, it was, it was a service that nobody was necessarily seeking out. Right. But when he pitched it, it's like, oh, that that would be kind of cool. And you know, it's like you know, you want to have that gift that's read over and over again to kind of mm -hmm. get in the hearts and minds of your target prospects. And so that was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Um, was publishing his business, was that what he was in? 
Yeah, he was a children's author, traveling children's author pre-pandemic. And he was doing all these like school assemblies and stuff, going to their libraries and doing storytelling. And then they're like, you, you can't come here anymore, sir. <laughs> we can't right. have any visitors. And by the way, the school is closed. Um, so he's, uh, he made that pivot. That's incredible. I think, I think those things are so genius. Cause again, I'm always like, what could I do that's like that? <laughs> you know, is that a good idea? Can I do that? Can I, am I talented enough to do that? Um, many things I'm not. I know that you had also, um, I want to say this might've been last year. You had, I, I think they were co-founders. They actually, um, started a business where if you were a podcaster, but you didn't want to do all that logistical work in the back end of editing and all of that, um, they started a business where they were hiring people virtually to do that work for you. Do you remember that company? Yeah, this is Pete and Brian from Awesome Pros. I think awesomepros.co. And it was kind of born out of Pete's own necessity of like, well, I, I can't do this all myself. He hosts um, how to be awesome at your job. Um, you know, he's a really popular podcaster, but was, you know, getting stuck in the weeds of like, well, I got to come up with the next show. It's like, oh, right. there's all this, you know, behind the scenes stuff. If I could just hire other people to go do that for me, like that would be great. And so I ended up building that into an agency and yes. you know, perfecting his hiring process. And so um, that's another example of something that's done really well with that kind of like matchmaker model. Like instead of instead of freelancing and selling your skills or consulting and selling your expertise, it's saying like, okay, here's what's a common problem that people have and how can I go out and find people to help solve that and just have that kind of connection layer, management layer in between. And I think that's really ripe for disruption in like those little micro niches like podcast editing and even in broader niches. I mean, we've seen like how in the, as I used to work in the virtual assistant world too, like Belay right. Solutions is a company that has been on the Inc 5000 list for, you know, for several years in a row, they were really cranking because it's like, okay, virtual assistants have been around since, you know, the dawn of the internet, but an executive assistants even longer than that, yeah. but there was no dominant like regional or regional or, or national players. So nobody knew where to go. So they're like, well, we're going to put, you know, our stamp on it, our brand on it. And, you know, hiring from the same talent pool as everybody else was before, but now because it's uh belay solutions, it's like, oh, now it's like a premium, a premium thing. Mm-hmm. And going, going back to like what you talked about with, um, with the podcasting and those awesome pros guys, um, do you, uh, get asked by other people, whether it's people, you know, or listeners who say, well, I want to start a podcast. And so I don't know what to do. So I guess the first question is, do you get asked those questions? And then do you help them? Have you put anything out there like an ebook or like a course? Cause it's also something that I've heard of, you know, all these people who are, um, making money by creating a course to start how to start a podcast. Has that happened for you? <laughs> I just send everybody over to Pat Flynn's like free, free podcasting <laughs> tutorial. That, that's what, that's what got really? me started in 2013. Oh, okay. That's cool. I know he's, I know he's updated it a bunch since then. I know he's now got, he's got a paid course on top of that okay. as well. And I think he even has like an advanced podcasting course. I, I, 
I kind of suck at selling online courses. I've got a couple. One is the trafficcourse.com. That's on SEO and gaining more visibility and traffic to an existing online business. And then I've got one called Start My Side Hustle, which is, um, you know, from idea to income in 14 days. Um, but neither of them are setting any sales records, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> that's, yeah, it does. So, okay. So then that's not something that you would be doing. Yeah, I think there's definitely opportunity there. There are people who there who just crush it in that space. Mm -hmm. um, but for for whatever reason, I <laughs> have not done super well there. How long did it take you um, with the podcast specifically to kind of get into the flow and figure it all out? Like you said, you you did take something from Pat Flynn, and for those who don't know, um, he's been around for a really long time. Uh, how long do you think it took you to get the podcast going and for you to feel like, okay, I, I understand what I'm doing? I think it's something that I'm still learning and figuring out as I go. There's, you know, a friend of mine in the space said, you know, I'm pretty embarrassed by the work I did a year ago. And a year from now, I hope to be embarrassed by what I'm putting out today. And I think there's a lot to, uh, a lot of truth to that, where it's, you know, this constant iteration and improvement and experimenting with different formats and if, if it sounds like you've been listening for, for quite a while, you can kind of hear the evolution of the different, you know, intros, especially, and, you know, just how the, the show has been structured. But it, it took, I mean, it was a year before I did my first solo episode. The first couple of years are probably, yeah, you know, I don't know how cringeworthy they are to go back to. I went back and kind of updated the intro to episode one oh, really? uh, okay. a couple of years ago, you know, and I just trying to like updated some of the call to action, just like, Hey, I didn't know this at the time. You know, the thing kind of took on a life. Like that's awesome that you're going back to episode one uh, and you're going to binge on the archives. I promise they get better. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no disrespect to Chris, you know, on, on episode one, it's like, okay, you know, as, as a host, I feel like, you know, it's almost a matter. You just got to get in the reps and, and do it. The income from it, you know, I started to see some, sponsorship revenue like by year three and so it was kind of a slog to get there and I had a had I not had the other businesses to kind of support that ramp up period and even then it was still pretty lean during those during those early early years but it was something that I found I enjoyed doing which that was like what I was nervous about early on because I you know I watched Pat's video tutorial and he's like you need media hosting it's like media like what, what is this? You know, it's 15 bucks a month, like host your little MP3 files. It's like, okay, I, I, I could probably swing that, but had it, had it been 25 or 30, like, I don't know if the show would exist. It's just like, well, you know, what am I committing myself to? I want to, I just have to keep paying this like forever. Like as long as I want the show to live. Mm -hmm. And I was worried about running out of people to talk to, you know, what am I, what am I committing myself to? But pretty soon I found that it was something that I really enjoyed doing and was seeing just enough traction to make it worthwhile. So do you do everything? Do you do, I mean, obviously you're doing the interviewing and everything, but do you do all the editing and uh, music and do you do all of that on your own? So the, uh, the music come, came from a guy from Fiverr uh, very early on. Um, he did the, he did like the, you know, hype man uh, voiceover um, in the early days <laughs> because your nine to five makes you a living, you know, and here's your host. And it's like, cut all of that stuff out. Like, you know, just get, get to the point, you know, um, the editing is done by a service called uh, podcast fast track in my case. 
Um, and I've been a customer there since 2016 when my first son was born. Um, and so they handle kind of the editing. My typical process is to kind of like mark up the transcript. And so I will cross this off where things kind of went off the rails or you know, we need to edit this in here. And um, they do an awesome job with that stuff. Okay. All right. Um, do you, what, you know, where do you see podcasting going? You've been doing this for a while. Some of us are fairly new. I mean, I was, like I said, I'd probably been listening to podcasts for over five years and I'm still, and you know, the premise for mine was, and they, and they say this, like statistically, if you are somebody who listens to podcasts, you'll probably want to listen to more podcasts. You'll want to find other podcasts to listen to. And so, um, for me, it was okay. Then, you know, I'm on, I have an iPhone, so I'm on Apple podcasts and I'm going through the genres and I'm like down the rabbit hole. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I do, I want, and then you listen to someone you're like, yeah, I don't think that's what I want to listen to. And then, you know, after a while you're like, okay, I just spent 45 minutes trying to find a podcast to listen to. Um, and so that's kind of how, when you talk about, am I going to get, am I going to end up not having enough people to interview or enough content for me, it was like, number one, the there's, all sorts of content in my space when you take a look at trying to find the best podcasts and they're, and they're everything, which matched up with my personality of being a self-proclaimed Jane of all trades. I like so many different things. I could listen to so many different things. Um, but you've been doing this for a while. Uh, so first of all, I didn't ask you this. Were you listening to podcasts prior to starting your podcast? Yeah, I had maybe a similar moment to you, like this, you know, epiphany of discovering on-demand audio on whatever topic you wanted to learn about. I feel like this is this is the coolest thing ever. Um, although the initial reaction, you know, I followed some like compelling sounding headline from Twitter, and, and you land on this page, and there's nothing there. Like, and you see the little like player at the top of it, like, oh, it's a podcast. Like, how, how do I how do I get this onto my device? Like, so it sounds super cool. Like, I you know want to listen to this, but you know, podcast discovery sucks. It's a major challenge. Mm -hmm. um, the and, and it's a more crowded space than than it's ever been, and it's likely to be more crowded a year from now. So there's you know an advantage to starting early and staying started. Cause even though, I don't know what the latest number, maybe there's a million podcasts out there, you know, probably only a quarter of those are like actively publishing. So, right. you know, people discover that, that it's a lot of work and, you know, it takes a while to see some traction there. Um, I think, oh, go ahead. No, I, I had to Google just now, like podcast stats. And so one reason I'm still bullish on podcasting is that only half of U.S. homes, according to this one website, are podcast fans. And so that means there's still half of the population left to have that epiphany moment, to have that discovery. So I think the pie is going to continue to get bigger. And even as we've seen like celebrity podcasts and mm -hmm. big media podcasts like New yeah. York Times, NPR, like getting involved in the space, like they bring new people into the fold who similarly say, well, like, well, that's super cool. What else is out there? I had a moment when Chris Gillibo from you know, $100 Startup and World Domination Summit and everything. He launched this podcast called Side Hustle School. And I'm like, that, that's it. I had, I had a good run, you know, but here comes this you know, multi-time New York best-selling author. Uh, he's coming into my turf. I'm like, yeah, ah, Chris, what are you doing, man? I never saw a bigger spike in downloads than that first oh, month that wow. he launched. It was this, you know, he's bringing all these new people in. They're like, this is cool what else is out there? 
and uh, and that was really an eye-opening example of you know a rising tide really can lift all boats. Um, but this, like we talked about, the discovery sucks. So yeah. you know, think about how you're going to find listeners. Uh, prioritize probably video, probably YouTube for better discoverability, better like you know this viral wild card that podcasting really doesn't have. Um, the chance to be discovered uh, through some of these other channels. I'm still trying to figure out, um, and I, I just signed myself up, but you know, I learned about Patreon through my own podcast. Um, I had a guest on who was a friend and she's like, have you heard of Patreon? I'm like, no. And so <laughs> I was like, what is this Patreon? And uh, looked into that and then looked into, of course, you know, there's not just one kind of platform like that. There's several and yeah. I, I, I've chosen a different one, but um, did you ever go that route to monetize your podcast at all? I have not. Okay. And for the reason that it's, you know, it's a business podcast. And so it would mm. be, it would be weird to be like, and you can donate over here, you know, become a patron. That's true. Um, That's true. It's like, wait a minute, how, how good is this guy really? If he's asking <laughs> for money. Um, but uh, some friends do really well over there. Um, mm. We had uh, Joshua Sheets from Radical Personal Finance has got a pretty good um Patreon presence. I sat in on a podcast presentation at like an Oakland podcasters meetup from Jen Briney, who hosts the Congressional Dish, which is just in a nonpartisan like, what is Congress doing with their with our money? Uh, kind of a look, and you know, often getting very angry at how much they're um, just squandering everything. Um, but entirely listener supported, and so she mm. does it through Patreon and. Venmo and you know any mm-hmm. paper check in some cases people are sending their money uh, to support what she's doing. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay, silly question, right? About whether you were just going to get people to donate to you. Um, <laughs> so, what do you? I feel like you're very involved in the technical aspects of podcasting. Um, you're really interested in that. Uh, do you know or not know? But where's podcast going? Like what's, what's the latest and greatest in the podcast world? Uh, the latest and greatest is, I, I don't know. I wish I had the answer. Um, we're definitely seeing a shift toward short form content, like, mm. you, know, you know, quick witty tweets, quick and witty, you know, viral TikTok videos and Instagram reels and mm-hmm. YouTube shorts and stuff. And that's just not a space that I have exercise the creative muscles to play in. Like my wheelhouse is 45 minute conversation or a, you know, a 3000 word blog post. It's uh, it's a little bit of a learning curve to deal with people's shorter attention spans. Mm -hmm. But once you have somebody tuning in for that 45 minutes, it becomes a really valuable relationship. And I find that the people that I listen to over and over again, I feel like I I, I know them, even though mm-hmm. in some cases we never met in real life, like they wouldn't know me from Adam, but I feel like because I spent all that time uh, with them in my earbuds, that it's like that, that were buds. See, that's how I feel. It's like, I know Nick, I listen to Nick every week, you know, yeah. He's, you know, Oh, here's a new episode that just popped up. So yeah, your voice is very familiar to me. Uh, I think you had, uh, was it Dale Bush? Was that his name? who was doing those tweets. Yeah. Dickie Bush. Dickie um, Bush. That's from, right. Yeah. Insane audience growth on Twitter. And I, I don't know, I have not prioritized really cracking that code, but. So I tried to do that just so you know, okay. I, I, t- I took a look at what he's, you know, obviously he had 
a product to sell, right? He would, if I recall correctly, um, yes. but then, but then he would have these really short tweets. And so I was like, well, I could do that to promote the podcast. Like that could be one way to do it. And so I started to do that. And I have to admit the first time, the first episode that I had, and then I did link everything in, in Twitter. Um, we were talking about a particular podcast that was my friend's favorite and the, uh, the host ended up uh, tweeting back and saying something really nice. I was like, yes, Twitter works, <laughs> you know, all right. Someone's like, you know, I tagged him. And so he saw it and then who knows if, you know, other people see it and then, yeah. And then I did that a couple more times and it was like crickets. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that was Dickie's point is like, it is the fastest, you know, market validation for an idea that you're ever going to find where it's like, if, if it doesn't resonate, nobody's going to see it. It's going to get buried by the algorithm. And if it does like, you know, then it starts to get lifted up. Um, it's a really interesting one. I mean, the, the main story is like, you know, go where your audience already is, right. Trying to get in front of them where they're already doing business, where they're already hanging out and try and build up a presence there for, or a name for yourself there. Any other tips um, for those who maybe are thinking of starting a podcast? Do you have any tips for them? Yeah, I, I mean, how much how much time do we have? I geek out on this stuff all day. Yeah, um, well, I wanted to. I wanted to geek out about all this. Yeah, I think of it as climbing the listener pyramid. Mm -hmm. And if you imagine a pyramid with four levels, we have strangers, listeners, subscribers, and fans. Strangers, they, they don't know you exist. They've never heard of you. Maybe they never even listened to a podcast before. Fans at the top, these are the people who are buying your stuff. They're referring their friends. They're like singing your praises. Like, you got to go check this guy out. Um, well, you got to go check this show out. And the lots of different ways to kind of tackle that awareness problem early on. For me, it was just grassroots um, trying to convince everybody I knew to download the show. As you know, I would open up my Gmail compose window and just start typing letters of the alphabet and see what would pop up. Be like, Hey, I just started this new project. Um, here's the link to check it out. You don't even have to listen. Like every download helps me. <laughs> just like, it was like the worst pitch ever. Um, the other piece of that, I think is having a really compelling title. Cause that was my experience. I talked about, you know, with that link from Twitter and then, you know, you know, being angry, angry to discover that it's audio. There's this hurdle to get over, to get that content onto somebody's device. And so it's gotta be compelling enough to make them want to do that. Um, I learned that early on with an episode, I think episode five was like how this guy earned enough money on Fiverr to buy a house in his first year. And at that time, Fiverr was really the $5 marketplace. Yeah. It's like, oh, Nick, you know, it's all about the upsells. Like, <laughs> let me, let me teach you the ways. And, <laughs> you know, so I've really taken that to, uh, to heart and trying to come up with a compelling title that's going to make somebody want to, to tune in to overcome those uh, technical pain points to get it done. For me, escalating from listeners, so, okay, now they gave you a shot, you're following all these best practices, you're getting to the point quickly, you're respecting people's time, you know, it's a tightly edited show if that's what you're going for, mm. you're delivering on what you promised. Um, if you can convert that person to, you know, be a subscriber, because it's largely anonymous, like that's the other thing, like podcast discovery sucks, podcast analytics also suck, like you don't know where, you know, maybe you can get some geo uh, targeting data and device data, but for the most part, where did they come from? Ah, you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so the 
uh, what worked for me was creating these like episode specific lead magnets or opt-ins to turn that anonymous listener into an email subscriber that all, all of a sudden I could tell about the latest episode versus just relying they would discover it on their own or you know that they'd hit the subscribe button in their app. Now they had something really uh, easy in their inbox they could forward to a friend if that was relevant to that friend. Um, and that was a kind of a pivotal moment for the show within, mm. you know, so it took me 14, 15 months to, to think to, you know, discover that, um, to start treating the podcast as content marketing rather than, you know, you know, record and, you know, step two, right. question, 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 step three, profit. Like, I don't know. Um, but within three months of doing that, you know, I went from a thousand to 3000 subscribers within six months, it was 6,000 within 12 months, it was 12,000. It was a really, uh, it was a really important move for, for the business to now have people that I could actually reach out to and, and communicate with in other ways. The lately I've shifted a little bit, like I started to see kind of diminishing returns on, on that. It was like, I would just publish a summary of the episode. Like you're out driving your car, you're walking the dog, you're at the gym. You're not in a great place to take notes. Don't worry. We did it for you. You, you can go to sideisolation.com slash whatever. And, you know, just download it there. You know, lately I've shifted to trying to come up with a more like bonus, like a complimentary resource that's oh. somewhat related to the topic that we talked about, but isn't just a straight summary. So we shifted just to publishing that on the website for the sake of, you know, let people consume the content in the medium that they want to consume it. And I've got a, a writer who's been doing those summaries for years and years. And he's been awesome. Hmm. Um, from subscribers to fans is like this hurdle. Like for me, this is, you know, where you can, at least in the niche that I play in, like if you can deliver results for somebody, if they try something that they heard on your show mm. and they see some positive result from that, like they're probably going to be a fan. And that's kind of the, the mark of, of success for me. I'll meet people at events like, oh, I heard your, uh, you know, woman who was doing, you know, print on demand, merch by Amazon. I, I made a thousand bucks selling t-shirts last month or something like, oh my gosh, like that's so awesome. Uh, or I started a blog inspired by Rosemary Groner and I just quit my job. And like, I love hearing that stuff. Mm. You see like, like the ripple effect uh, of some of that. And it may be different for different shows too. Like I'm a, mm-hmm. I would consider myself a fan of uh, hardcore history, which like, I don't see any results. Like I don't have any concrete <laughs> results from listening to Dan Carlin's hardcore history, but it's just, it's too good not to share. It's such like an amazing storyteller. It gets you, you know, both, you know, down on the ground level with these soldiers facing just atrocious conditions. And then he zooms out and talks about the, you know, macro geopolitical chessboard that's going on. Like, I don't know. I'll, I love it. I'll tell anybody uh, if they're, if you, if you have 18 hours to spare, you know, go listen to some of Dan Carlin's series. Yeah. Well, that's what the guests are supposed to do. They're supposed to recommend podcasts. So, <laughs> so thanks for that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's so good. Like he was on the stage at podcast movement in like 2017 and it goes against every rule. You know, a podcast should be 25 minutes because that's the length of the average commute and you got to publish weekly because reason. And he's like, I publish when I want to, uh, when I'm, when I'm done, you know, when the episode's ready, I'll publish it. And they're like three, four hours long. And I never listened to it up until that point, because it had been recommended, but I always look at that like three hours for an app. Like, you know, even as somebody who enjoys history, like three hours, you gotta be kidding me. It's like, okay, well, he's up on the keynote stage here. You know, he's gotta be doing something right. And it's like, oh yes, yes. There's, you can get away with this stuff because it's that good. 
Well, and that's interesting that you say that because I think um, I do listen to another podcast that, and I'm hoping that he's going to be on the show too. And he talks about kind of avoiding the best practices because it's almost like when someone or Google says, yeah, you should tweet on Tuesday evenings at six o'clock. And that is the best engagement time. As soon as we all start doing that, you know, it's the worst, right? So um, it's like, I'm, for me, it's like trying to find things that people are doing that make sense and whether they scaled it or they've been successful and whatever that looks like. But then at the same time saying, I don't want to do just what everybody does. Cause then there's those individuals who are like unique and creative and they did something completely different and against the grain and look where that got them. So I'm, I feel like I'm kind of stuck in that world of like, well, then what, what do I do? You know, should I be, like you said, should it be 25 minutes? Cause I had people tell me too. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I took, and I have to say, I, I think the side hustle part probably um, has always been in me and has always kind of been in my husband. And it wasn't called that. It was more called entrepreneurship, right? Um, but then listening to your show and thinking of all these ideas of what could I do? What could I do to have a side hustle? Um, but people were saying to me like, oh, what's your, you know, you, oh, you're going to have a pot. Are you, are you going to have a podcast? You know, I took a free podcast boot camp. And of course there was an upsell on that after that week. Right. You know, I took all the information in and took notes and everything. And then I was like, and then, then they're like, yeah. And then for whatever, $197 or whatever it was, it was like, yeah. you can, you can join the group and you can do. And I was like, no, that's good. I got the gist of it. I think I got this, but, um, but then which there was, one, which one was it? You want me to say it? I don't know if, if you got value from it, like, sure. I did. And I'm going to talk about her. Um, it used to, her podcast is actually, I do you among others. I have a, I had a top five and now I'm actually moving into a top 10 of favorite podcasts. Um, and her show was called, uh, don't keep your day job. And then oh, Kathy's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe I got Kathy from you. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever, she, did she, you ever she was on, she was on a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. That's probably where, cause I was thinking like, how did I find her? And then, um, and recently she just changed it to the Kathy Heller show. Um, and she, I mean, she was like brutally honest of how all the things she tried, how she started out, you know, where she got to. And I think the last time I heard, she was like, I'm at seven figures and she's on the verge of doing a TV show. And it was, it's crazy. Like it's, it's just absolutely like, you know, bloomed for her, which is fantastic. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Trying to find, you know, what is that niche, right? What, and, and that was very difficult for me because I was like, but I'm not, I'm, I'm a generalist, right? I like a lot of different things and I've done a lot of different things. Um, so what, what can that be for me? And the podcast bootcamp uh, and listening to podcasts kind of resonated with me. And then, like I said, you know, there was someone who said to me, oh, are you going to start a podcast? Are you going to start a podcast? You know, because I guess people say they want to do things and they don't do it. And I was like, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> it's on now. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, it may not be the best. It may not be, it may not make me money in the beginning, but I can do this. Like I can try. And then that's the worst case scenario, right? Is that I try it and I figure out, do I want to keep doing this? And I have to say, and I'll publicly say this now is that when you talk about being in the flow. Um, I am a closet techie. I had a, a blog, a mommy blog back in 2008. I learned um, how to do all of that. Um, my husband was like, uh, I want to, 
I want to put something out there. It was an education. I was like, you need a website. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, who's going to do your website for you? And he's like, you are. And I'm like, I don't know how to do a <laughs> website. So it was me and lynda.com at two o'clock in the morning learning HTML. And so here I am this like a hack. I'm just a hack, right? Um, but with podcasting, that techie part of it, I mean, for me, I work on a MacBook Pro, so I have GarageBand already installed in there uh, and learning what that's called, you know, the digital audio workspace. Like if you're a real podcaster, you know what that means. Um, but learning how to edit, uh, maybe I have, I have a journalistic background, so I've done interviews and I've done writing. So talking to people, I've been in business development, so love talking to people, but there isn't a thing about podcasting that I don't like. Um, I love every moment of it. If, you know, even just getting guests on the show and just like with you, you know, it was emailing you and saying, Hey, I'd love for you to be on the show. I'm brand new at this. And I guess you can reject me, <laughs> um, but having the conversations, doing the editing, you know, tweaking with the music, reaching out trying to get sponsors and all of that kind of stuff. And it's a lot. I only, you know, January 10th was my launch date. So it's fairly new. And so when you said three years, and you're like, I, yeah, sorry. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to discourage you. I, I mean, other people clearly can do it much faster. So yeah. And I, that's I hope fine. You too. I, and that's totally fine. I think for me, it was just like, you know, my husband keeps saying to me, are you having fun? I'm like, I'm having so much fun. And I think even though I wasn't sure about the, the title of my podcast to begin with, because I was trying to find something that was more generalized it did get to the space like, well, I'm not a therapist, so I can't like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm giving therapy or anything like that. Um, but then I thought, well, it's kind of like retail therapy, right? It's just, it's just a thing. It's like, so, you know, I think one of my taglines in the future might be, it's like retail therapy, but free <laughs> so podcast therapy. Uh, but yeah, just really enjoy it and um, looking forward to see where this takes me. But uh, what I've learned in the short time that I've been doing this, because what Kathy's bootcamp taught me was there's something called pod fade, right? And so the majority of people will um, put out seven, seven to 10 episodes. And then they're like, now what? Like, I, I, I don't have any more content. I don't know what else to say about this topic, or I can't find another guest. And so I was like, okay, starting, I think November, I'm going to just start recording and having all these guests. And then I'll just start rolling them out in the new year. And, um, so far it's been really great and what from those interviews what I've learned is that I just have fun talking to the people and you know even when some of these people are were my friends or are my friends um there's things that you find out about them in these conversations that you <laughs> after we recorded like no we're not friends anymore. <laughs> well no like I think about the first episode that I put out and um her topic or her podcast that she wanted to recommend was um a, a podcast on paranormal activity and I was okay. like really <laughs> I was like really she's like yeah you don't usually tell people that like that you're into that <laughs> they might give you a weird look and I'm like yeah I didn't know that about you <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah to have the opportunity to talk to people and just get to know them and know their story behind them and even you know at networking events you don't have that kind of time with people um, so it's been really fun for me. And then typically at the end of the show, I'm like, oh yeah. And you were here cause you were going to tell us your favorite podcast, right? Your recommendation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been really great. It's, it's been a, a short ride, but so far so good. And so who knows what's going to happen. And like I said, 
um, I don't, I always say too, I was one of my episodes, I had somebody who is a Nashville artist um, and I asked him if I could feature his music at the end of the show. And I'm like, why not? I'm like, I'm not a music podcast, but why not? It's my podcast, right? You don't want to listen to the music. You can stop listening right now. But so, yeah, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to go off like that, but. um, No, it's all good. I mean, I'm excited for you. It's been a life-changing experiment for me and I hope it will be for you too. Yeah, definitely. Well, Nick Loper from the Side Hustle Show. Um, hopefully people who haven't listened to you will start listening to you and maybe even get some good ideas on what they can do on the side, especially if they hate their day job <laughs> or want to quit their day job. Um, but yeah, I just really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk with me. It's been fun. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll hear you geek out some more on your own show with all your tips and tricks <laughs> and things That's that good. you like put out. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, have a good rest of your evening over there. Yes. And, you uh, too. We'll talk again. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey guys, as usual, I really appreciate you listening to the show. As my guest list grows, I'm finding more podcasts to add to my own library. Hope you are too. Anyway, follow me wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like the episodes, leave me a review so others can find me too. Also, because I'm an independent podcaster and not affiliated with a media company, I do everything on my own. If you'd like to support this podcast, feel free to buy me a coffee. See the show notes for details on how to do this. For everything else, like questions and suggestions, you can DM me on Instagram. I'll feature another episode next week, so make sure to come back and make time for some podcast therapy.